H2O is water, and H2O2 is hydrogen peroxide. But what is H2O4? Drinking, of course. Now to today's top stories. Our first story today comes out of China. China has suspended its plan to implement a nationwide gasoline blend containing 10% ethanol this year. Three sources briefed on the matter said, following a sharp decline in the country's corn stocks and limited production capacity of the biofuel, the reversal is a heavy blow to domestic producers that have built new plants, as well as biofuel exporters, including the United States and Brazil, which were looking to benefit from growing Chinese demand. China was expected to increase imports of U.S. ethanol after the recent announcement of Phase 1 of a trade agreement. Beijing announced in September 2017 that the national gasoline supply would contain 10% ethanol from 2020, part of a broad reform of its corn industry that at the time was suffering from, ma from a massive surplus. But at a meeting in late December with ethanol producers and oil majors, China's National Development and Reform Commission, NDRC, said it will now halt the rollout of ethanol gasoline supplies beyond the current handful of provinces that have already implemented full or partial blends, according to two of the three sources briefed on the meeting. Beijing's mandate, known as the E10 target, was conceived as a way to digest the country's huge state corn reserves and reduce pollution in the world's largest car market by using the cleaner burning fuel. China is now unlikely to require large ethanol supplies without the mandate. The decision was made after further study, which suggests any promotion of ethanol gasoline must be based on the precondition that food security is guaranteed, said one of the sources familiar with Beijing's plan in reference to declining grain reserves in China. The United States exported about 20% of its fuel ethanol to China in 2016, trade worth about $300 million that year. American shipments have since plunged to a trickle which was expected to be reversed following the announcement of phase one of the recently announced trade deal. Beijing hiked import duties on ethanol in 2017 to 30% and then added trade war tariffs on U.S. cargoes twice during 2018, amounting to another 40%. This is definitely a step in the wrong direction, but it was not completely unexpected, said Jeff Cooper, president of the Renewable Fuels Association, a U.S. industry trade group. But even if implementation of the E10 target is delayed, we believe ethanol consumption will continue to grow in China as the government looks for low-cost ways to reduce air pollution in urban areas. In 2018, China was the eighth biggest market for U.S. ethanol exports, taking up 52.9 million gallons of the corn-based fuel, according to the RFA. It also bought 290,000 tons of U.S. corn, U.S. Agriculture Department data shows. It's not positive because exports have been an important piece of the puzzle for the industry in the last couple of years, said Tim Gannon, a farmer from Iowa and a former official with the Department of Agriculture. Executives from China National Petroleum Corporation Limited in Sinopec also attended the NDRC meeting in December, according to one of the sources. The sources declined to be named as they were not authorized to talk to the media. NDRC, the National Energy Administration, CNPC, in Sinopec did not immediately reply to faxes seeking comment. Six other contacts, including producers, traders, and analysts, also said the government rollout of the mandate has significantly slowed or stalled, with a few new plants built or markets opened in the past few months. There is a big shortage of production capacity and few places have made breakthroughs with the mandate rollout, said Michael Mao, analyst with Sublime China Information. I think the promotion has slowed. Maybe we need to wait until after 2020, Mao said. <clears throat> 
Reaching the 2020 target would have required about 15 million tons of the biofuel annually, more than four times current output, or some 45 million tons of corn, which is about 16% of the country's current consumption. The country does not disclose state grain reserve levels, but state stockpiles of corn have fallen to around 56 million tons from more than 200 million tons in temporary reserves in 2017, a government expert said in September last year. Our second story of the day comes out of San Francisco. <clears throat> Impossible Foods is no longer trying to win a coveted deal to supply McDonald's Corporation with plant-based burgers, telling routers it cannot produce enough of its imitation meat to partner with the world's number one fast food chain. It is the latest twist in the battle of imitation meat makers hoping to convince more restaurants to offer their patties. But it was unclear how far talks had progressed with McDonald's, which declined to comment on the discussions. <clears throat> Shares of Impossible Rival Beyond Meat surged on Tuesday, closing 12.5% higher after routers reported that Impossible was no longer in talks with McDonald's. The stock had risen earlier in the day on Impossible's unveiling of its plant-based pork products at the International Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas on Monday, spurring further optimism about the sector. Referring to McDonald's, Impossible Foods CEO Pat Brown told Routers in an interview that it would be stupid for us to be vying for them right now. Having more big customers right now doesn't do us any good until we scale up production. Impossible Foods and its rivals are duking it out over partnerships with fast food chains to cash in on the roughly $3,500 per person average that Americans spend each year on food away from home. The privately held Silicon Valley-based Impossible Foods teamed up with Burger King last year to launch its soy-based Impossible Whopper in the United States. Impossible Foods is now working to more than double production instead of trying to win a deal the size of McDonald's, Brown said. I wish we had vastly more capacity than we do right now because the demand is high, he said. Impossible Foods said it had previously met with McDonald's, but declined to disclose details about when it decided it would be unable to support a potential deal. In late September, McDonald's launched a 12-week test of a PLT burger in Canada using patties made by Beyond Meat, but McDonald's has yet to offer a plant-based burger as a regular feature on its menu at any of its roughly 14,000 U.S. outlets. The PLT is a craveable plant-based burger with a patty recipe that is made by McDonald's for McDonald's, the fast food chain said in a statement. It declined to provide any specifics on the result of the Canada test. Beyond Meat told routers that talks with McDonald's are going very well and that its new and upcoming facilities around the world are guaranteed to help it keep up with demand, not just in the United States, but globally. We would have to work with them, McDonald's, on timing, but yes, we would be able to meet their demand globally, Beyond Meat's chief growth officer Chuck Muth said last month in an interview at the Los Angeles-based company's office. Beyond Meat, which is valued at about $5 billion after its IPO in May, weathered supply issues in 2017 and 2018 when hamburger chain A&W Canada ran out of Beyond Burgers soon after launching Nationwide. But Muth says recently announced facilities in Canada and the Netherlands would prevent future snafus. Beyond Meat, whose products are made with pea protein, told routers in November that it aims to have production up and running in Asia by the end of next year. Beyond Meat doesn't want to drop the ball while there is amazing awareness building in the market, and they need to balance that with not overcommitting themselves, said Dan Altshuler Malik, managing partner at Beyond Meat, investor Univis Partners. The industry will continue to talk about pressure on supply for years, not because output hasn't increased, but because consumer demand continues to exceed expectations. 
McDonald's typically works with multiple suppliers to provide components for major menu items like burgers and french fries. Other fast food companies including Yum Brands, KFC, and Dunkin' Brands have tested and rolled out plant-based versions of items on their menus made by dominant suppliers, Beyond Meat or Impossible Foods. Impossible Foods declined to comment on when it believes it might have enough supply or manufacturing capacity to partner with McDonald's. When we are ready to do it, we would certainly like them to be a customer, Impossible's CEO Brown said. Right now, if McDonald's said they wanted us to be all in all restaurants, we'd have to say, sorry, we can't do it. Impossible Foods has had capacity issues that have hurt customers in the past. In June, hamburger chain White Castle suffered a month-long shortage of Impossible Slider patties, for instance. Our third and final story of the day comes out of Pennsylvania. Leading global equipment manufacturer New Holland has partnered with the National Hemp Association, or NHA, the nation's leading nonpartisan hemp advocacy group. The partnership announced today at the Pennsylvania Farm Show plans to accelerate the return of hemp commodity crops on farms across North America under the banner Pushing Progress Together. The National Hemp Association will participate alongside New Holland at 16 national farm shows throughout North America, delivering educational sessions and panel discussions, as well as exhibiting the variety of products produced from hemp. The Alliance will also work towards solving the industry's biggest challenge, the absence of commercial-scale harvesting and decortication equipment needed to meet demand. In order to begin laying the foundation of an integrated North American hemp supply chain, the Alliance will call on other industry partners to join a hemp pledge and commit to purchasing hemp grown and processed in the U.S. by U.S. farmers. We see this exclusive partnership as a way to bring the nation's leading hemp advocates and educators to events where they can respond to the issues of most concern to farmers, manufacturers, processors, and the general public, says Brett Davis, Vice President, New Holland and North America. It will also provide New Holland with the opportunity to hear from our dealer network, our customers, and more than 115,000 farmers who are looking to New Holland to bring forward supply chain solutions. The National Hemp Association has also committed to creating and funding a new hemp farmer educational fund to assist farmers with agricultural, regulatory, and production issues related to converting to hemp production. We know that the biggest challenge facing this crop in restricting its return to commercial scale harvesting and decortication equipment, says NHA Chair and PAHIC President Jeff Whaling. Without that solution, all of the promise for hemp for the food, feed, construction, automotive, energy, and textile industry will not be realized. Our partnership with New Holland Agriculture will be the beginning steps towards that end. This Pennsylvania-rooted partnership is, is a very big step to building the national supply chain, says U.S. Senator Judy Schwank of Pennsylvania, the leading proponent of industrial hemp legislation in the Pennsylvania Senate. Together, we need to provide any legislative fixes that are necessary, as well as ensure the resources and tools are available to assist and help the industry move forward. For more information on New Holland's hemp initiatives and solutions, visit www.betterhempharvest.com. So, let me know what you thought about today's podcast and send me an email to bobfuelsdaily at gmail.com. Lastly, if you could please subscribe to my podcast and leave a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening, and remember to always go green. Thank you.